Good morning, good morning. Thanks for being here with us today. As Sarah mentioned earlier, spring is coming and I'm pretty excited about that. I have missed sunshine and time outdoors. I was talking with a friend who's a church planner over in Seattle and he says, yeah, we've had the most rain we've ever had in February. I think he said 80 days straight of overcast. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. it. Well, spring is coming and that makes me happy. So how do you come to the gathering uh, here today? Let's just take a minute to be reflective. Uh, where's my spirit at this morning? What have been the experiences over the course of my past week that have either, either just given life, fed life into me, or those things that have just drained life? I come feeling exhausted, tired, overwhelmed. We each come in a different place today, and today we continue our conversation of Sabbath in Scripture. We continue what Sarah began last week as she talked about creation and God's design and desire for us to find rest in Him. Today we fast forward the story a little ways, and we're going to look at the words of Jesus, um, uh, what Jesus had to say and what Jesus demonstrated as it comes to the conversation of Sabbath but first, let's take just a minute to kind of reflect on the, the culture in which we live. We live in a culture that is driven, right? The more that I work and the more that I succeed, the better a person I am, right? The more I can accomplish in the week, the better I'm going to feel about myself. Have you ever heard the term busy bragging? Uh, I do it almost all the time. When you say, hey, how you doing? I say, busy, but good, right? Um, we, 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 we say this term like I'm so busy and I'm doing so much with pride, right? Now, there's some good in that uh, because we are called both to work and to rest in Scripture. It is not inappropriate or wrong to work hard. In fact, it's important that we do work well and demonstrate to people the love of God in the ways that we commit ourselves to the tasks that we're responsible for. However, uh, sometimes we take it a little bit too far. And work becomes life. Um, my dad, who's, uh, who's not here this morning, but if you haven't gotten to talk with him about second half, he would love to tell you about this experience that he has had. Many of us uh, work so hard at our careers that when retirement finally comes, we hardly know what to do with ourselves because we have dedicated everything. Our identity and all that we are revolves around the work that we do. Sometimes we over-prioritize that work and it becomes our identity, who we are in this life. Uh, I heard a politician recently say this about our culture. Um, he called upon the federal government to elevate principles that are central to the American spirit. And what are those uh, principles central to America? Uh, work, free enterprise, safeguarding human and economic resources. And there's some good in all that. Our work and our economic resources, our free enterprise, these are all good things, but sometimes the scale gets tipped just too far. Work becomes everything. We find ourselves exhausted and unable to continue. And it starts early in life. In fact, just this morning as I was greeting people, I was talking with a nine-year-old. And he came in and uh, I said, how's your week? Did you do anything fun? He said, chores. And I said, oh man, you had some chores to do this week? And he tips his head back and like he's going to break in half and he says, so many chores, right? Don't we sometimes just feel 
busy and overwhelmed in life. It starts early. We get these feelings, and sometimes they're very valid, and sometimes they're probably not, but you get the feeling, right? We all feel it. From a young age, we feel this drive to do more, and we find ourselves so busy. Uh, let me do a little trivia. Uh, has anyone ever heard the term nomophobia? Nomophobia. Maybe? Okay. Nomophobia is, uh, it's not technically um, an adopted term yet, but one that's being thrown around a lot over the past couple years. Uh, nomophobia is the fear of the battery on your cell phone declining. Yeah, it's a, it, and, and it's the fear of not having access to our mobile phones. And I mean, there's psychologists and people saying this is a major fear and it's driving the way people are inter- interacting and engaging in life. And I can kind of relate to it. Uh, we are tied to our phones. We are tied to our emails and the messages coming in and our Twitter or Facebook or whatever you use. I don't use any of them. I'm really bad at it. Um, uh, but we are just so locked into these things that it is hard to rest because typically those things are not the restful places in our lives. In fact, uh, for years now, uh, people have been engineering ways to keep us addicted to either the show that we're watching on TV or the game that we're playing on our phone or our Instagram feed. Like We have worked so hard as a culture, um, use science so effectively to draw people further into these things that sometimes we find ourselves just overwhelmed. So where in the world do we find rest? What does Sabbath rest look like? Let's look at the words of Jesus today. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, our text begins, Come to me, Jesus is speaking, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The words of Jesus. Do you ever feel weary and just overburdened in life? I'll bet you do. I think this relates to all of us. I was talking to a friend recently and he was saying, man, work is crazy. He is just exhausted at his wits end. And he says in the conversation, after describing just how challenging life is right now, he says, but I love what I do. I mean, not all days are easy, but I love what I do. And this is that interesting juxtaposition, that we find ourselves busy often with good things in life, but we find ourselves also burdened and overwhelmed by those very things that we're experiencing in life. Jesus says, come to me, those that are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What does rest look like in your life? Like, what's that restorative activity or place or time in your week that brings true rest? Now, there's the physical rest, and we do that every evening as we sleep, and many of us don't get near enough sleep, and so we're lacking in rest in that respect. However, there's another aspect to rest that Jesus kind of references here. He says, uh, come to me and you will find rest for your souls. It's that spiritual 
Um, it's that uh, psychological rest that so often our lives, our, our minds are continually running. We keep going and going. There's always a next, next, next task on our to-do list, and we find ourselves psychologically unable to keep up in the world in which we live. I think there's a distinct difference then as we talk on the subject of rest between rest and escape. And I think Sarah mentioned this a little bit last week, but the difference between rest and escape, what does it look like to find life-giving restorative practices in life? It might be sitting down and reading a book that actually has pages that you can turn, right? That's a revolutionary idea. It might be going for a walk. It might be meeting with a friend for coffee. Uh, sometimes it might involve sitting down and watching a movie with your spouse or someone like that. But quite often we find ourselves sucked into the never-ending Netflix series, right? Uh, or something like that. That's probably not rest in the long run, right? Um, what does that restorative rest look like in your life? Or have you ever experienced it? Have you ever experienced that place of peace where we come to rest in a God who loves us, Jesus, who says, take my burden upon you because it's light and it's easy, where the Holy Spirit that indwells us works powerfully, that we can know a restorative, healing rest in our lives. Jesus uses this term, take my yoke upon you, which is a very interesting phrase um, because a yoke was an object of burden. It was um, a piece that would be fitted over two oxen that would allow them then to pull a plow or something behind them to plow a field or something like that. But it was common in the first century to use this term yoke. Um, Rabbis would use this term. Every rabbi would have a yoke that is a set of teachings and practices that you would be uh, required to adhere to if you wanted to be a disciple, a follower of this particular rabbi. So Jesus is using common language in the day, but saying that instead of the yokes that you are used to hearing about, I want you to know that, um, that my burden is light, that my yoke is light, because I am gentle and I am humble. You know, when when we're considering who to take advice from, many of the people in our lives that talk the loudest, right? Those loudest voices, and I don't always mean just volume, but those loudest voices in life are sometimes really hard to listen to, and sometimes not the healthiest voices to listen to. And Jesus comes not with a loud voice in this text. The tone of it is not him blaring at people what they need to do, but he's It's an invitation in which he says, come to me, I am gentle and humble, and in me you can find your rest. I don't think it's by accident that the the teller of this gospel account, Matthew, goes on to now tell two stories about Jesus and his experiences on Sabbath. Before we dive into them, let me give a little background on on what Sabbath looked like in in the first century. God had established for his people, the Israelites, that six days you will work, work was a commandment, as well as on the second, on the seventh day, you will rest. So they would prepare their food ahead of time, uh, they would spend time with their family, they would spend time, um, 
worshiping God. It was a day that was built into the Israelites' calendar, a week, a weekly event in which they would just rest. And this was a distinctive mark of the Israelites. And next week, we swapped the order of the lessons. Next week, we're going to talk about how Sabbath became an integral part of Israel's story as they left Egypt. And, and we'll talk about some of the ramifications and, and interesting points of that. Um, but I, I want to clarify that for Israel, Sabbath was both a commandment, um, but also a blessing, an invitation, an opportunity. To a people that had been worked as slaves, God said, okay, so six days, do your work, but on the, second, on the seventh, I give you this blessing, a blessing of rest. And I want you just to imagine what this looked like to the world around Israel. To those that are interacting with Israel here in the first century, um, in the marketplace, or in whatever aspect of life, that all of Israel would shut down for a day. Well, people took a day of rest. It speaks to the, the freedom and the, the restful, the, the hope found in the way of God. And so God had commanded Sabbath. And as with all of the law, um, they not only took the law, but the Pharisees and Sadducees, the relig- religious rulers of the day, begin to build up all these other commandments that surround the law uh, to make really clear to people what they can and can't do. And it became a burden in people's lives. L- listen to this. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 1, at that time, Jesus went through the grain, fa- grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. So they're walking along as Jesus did with his apostles. They'd travel from town to town and place to place, and they would teach people, and he would heal, uh, and he would bless the lives of children and people in those communities. And as they travel, uh, it was common practice that you would be walking next to a grain field, and you would take that grain and kind of thresh it in your hand and eat that plain. That was uh, legal. That was um, even in the law that... that um, that the Israelites would not over-harvest their crops so that the foreigner or the alien or the traveler would have food to eat. Except today's the Sabbath, and Jesus and his followers are walking past a grain field, and so they do what is customary. But remember, they were supposed to have prepared all their food the day before and be resting on this day. So Jesus goes on to tell them, and I won't read it, but in verses 3 through 8, he says, to these Pharisees, haven't you ever read the Old Testament? Haven't you read the law and all those stories? Remember when David ate consecrated bread that was meant to be used only in worship, and yet he wasn't condemned for that? Or don't you know that the priests, they work on the Sabbath day, but they're not condemned for that. They're let off the hook. What Jesus starts to get to in this text is you have turned Sabbath into a legalistic law-based system and completely lost sight of its purpose in your life. 
You know, I think it would be easy for us as we talk about Sabbath and as we encourage each other and impress upon others the importance of life-giving rest that God has created us for. I think it would be easy for us also to turn this into something legalistic, right? A legal system. This is what you have to do to be a good follower of Jesus, or this is what you have to do to find Sabbath rest. I think it would be very easy. And in fact, in America, we have a history of doing that very thing with Sabbath. Have you ever heard of the blue laws? Uh, The blue laws um, relate to uh, a day of the week, generally in our culture it's been Sunday, in which uh, there's the prohibition of sales of certain products or of certain businesses being open. Today in some of our states, still alcohol and car sales are prohibited on Sundays. Um, Those are the blue laws. So as a nation, um, both Christian people, I believe it was the Puritans uh, that were central to it, um, and our our trade unions, our labor unions, and that sort of thing uh, got behind some of these laws as well to bring in rest. We've tried to legalize a system of uh, of forcing Sabbath or forcing rest, and ultimately, I don't think those are the most effective ways. You see, because Sabbath was created, it was designed for our benefit. It was designed not to be another law for the, for the sake of another law, not just another rule in our lives. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Sabbath, as opposed as Jesus and the Pharisees stand in opposition on the subject, they say, no, you're breaking laws. And Jesus says, no, you're missing the point of what Sabbath is. It's an invitation from God to rest, not just sleep, but to rest in God, to find our purpose, our healing, and our hope in him. In verse 9, the story continues, uh, going on from that place, he went into their synagogue And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hands. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. What an interesting conclusion to that story. They try to test him as they often do. They're in a synagogue. It is a Sabbath day. Don't work. And so they say, I know you want to heal that guy. I dare you to do it, right? I dare you to heal that guy. And Jesus is like, hey, you'd you'd pick your sheep up if it fell down, right? This is a person in need who matters so much more. Of course, I'm going to heal this man. And the conclusion to the subject, they went out to plot as to how they could kill Jesus. I love this statement in here that Jesus makes. Um, uh It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. 
I wonder what Sabbath might look like in our lives. If we were to grasp these concepts that we've seen in, in the text today, uh, to say Sabbath is intended uh, for our blessing, for our good, that we would know godly rest. And Sabbath is intended good for the good of others. In fact, next week we're going to talk about Sabbath as resistance, and we're going to talk about how uh, social justice was a part of the purpose of the institution of Sabbath amongst the people. Uh, so, But for this week, we'll leave it at this. Sabbath is intended for good. Sabbath is intended for our blessing. Now, not only does Jesus teach about Sabbath, not only does he break some of the laws that the the Pharisees have created, but Jesus demonstrated Sabbath, not just in resistance against the negativity or the law-based legalism that they had placed around Sabbath, but Jesus demonstrated it in his day-to-day life. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus is healing and teaching, and he's overwhelmed by crowds of people. You remember that feeling we were talking about in the beginning? That feeling that some of us are feeling today, I just can't keep up with all of this. Jesus is surrounded by people, and his purpose is incredibly important. As we saw in our text today in Matthew, he cared deeply about healing and helping these people. And yet, in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Can we just rest in this idea? Jesus, God in human flesh on earth, who has the utmost of important tasks to accomplish in the season of life, he would withdraw to be alone and to pray, to spend time with God. Throughout Scripture, we see teaching about Sabbath. We see Jesus demonstrating the importance of it, that even in his life and all the important things he had on his plate, rest and time spent with God was central to how he would operate. Productivity, I think, is um, maybe the, the conversation that makes Sabbath or rest the most difficult in our lives. Uh, we want to be productive, and, and we see in this text Jesus, who has in t- incredibly important tasks to do. Productivity in terms of the number of tasks completed in a day. I was reading about this subject recently, and uh, countless studies have found that there comes a, a point in our work week in which productivity will be seriously curbed that uh, many of the studies I was reading in the 50 or 55 hours in a week, as we move beyond that in our work, productivity declines drastically. There was a time in history, I forget the guy's name, but uh, proposed a 10-day work week for an obvious reason. If we work more days out of the week, we'll get a lot more done. And what's interesting is depression increased while productivity declined in the cultures that adopted this concept. And I think there's a lot of reasons that productivity declines when we overwork. Uh, fatigue sets in. Uh, we find ourselves multitasking on the many things we need to do as opposed to completing the, uh, the things one at a time. We find ourselves in a state of burnout. Uh, overworking has uh, health effects on us. Um, it, can, it can have incredibly negative effects when we find ourselves so stressed out and overworked that we can hardly function anymore. 
and speaking into our culture uh, of of workaholics, speaking into our culture of people who, um, after they've completed a task, write it on a page and create a little square so they can check it off. I'm speaking of my wife. She's not in the room, so I'm allowed to say it. Like, so driven that if I've completed something, I have to write it down just so that I can put that check mark in the box. Speaking into that culture. Sabbath is a declaration that God is enough that I am allowed to, called to, invited to rest in God. Sabbath speaks into that culture, saying there is a source of life beyond your accomplishments. There is a source of life found only in God that he invites you to engage. As I conclude, I want to... Um, I want to shift gears just a little bit. It's not by accident that we chose to do this little mini-series on Sabbath in this season, because this Wednesday begins an incredible um, uh, part of the liturgical calendar called Lent. Now, uh, Lent is one of two uh, major events on the liturgical calendar, one being Advent that we practice together as a church, and that's leading up to Christmas, leading up to the birth of Jesus. And we spend that time reflecting upon Jesus who has come and who is coming, um, and it's this time of celebration, whereas Lent on the liturgical calendar leads up to Jesus' death and resurrection. It begins on Ash Wednesday, 46 days before um, before Easter will come, and we will celebrate uh, resurrection on that day together and with our community. And this season of Lent is a season in which many people choose to give something up. And, I mean, in, in our culture, a lot of people choose um, something like uh, TV or food or drink or make a new commitment to take something out of their life, to spend time exercising or in prayer or in scripture. But it's a season of taking something out of our life or for part of a day, whatever that looks like for you, but not just to, de- to deny ourselves something. That's a part of it. But having denied ourselves that something, we've created space in our life to go deeper in our relationship with God. That's the purpose of Lent and choosing something we might give up. And so in this season of Lent, beginning this coming Wednesday, you're welcome to read some more about it. If, if you have questions, uh, send Sarah or myself an email or a text, and we can help provide some resources. Um, in this season of Lent, what I want to challenge, what I want to ask us to consider is would we choose something in our lives that creates space in which we can find a little bit more Sabbath rest? I mean... And and I think it's less about the amount of time in a day or a week that you choose to do whatever you do, but it's much more about creating some sort of space and some sort of engagement with God that makes a noticeable impact on our week, right? So even if it were just 20 minutes a day that I have never committed to sitting in silence, spending 10 minutes just in silence and 10 minutes in prayer or reading our Bibles, whatever it looks like, the challenge that I'd lay out in this Lent season, and particularly as it pertains to Sabbath, would be, would we make a decision that has a marked impact on our week? that has a noticeable impact on what happens in my day-to-day life or my weekly rhythms.
So, um, as a church, uh, you know, we've committed from the beginning to safety. Uh, we try uh, our hardest not to be manipulative in, in the ways that we encourage people or invite people to know Jesus. Yet on this subject, I can't help but stress the importance, the gravity of the idea of Sabbath rest. And not because it's something I think that you have to do. I think it's something that you could do, that in which you would find a depth of experience in your physical life, in your work life, in your spiritual life. I think this invitation to Sabbath, which, by the way, Sarah uh, has really pushed this series uh, because I'm pretty terrible at this sort of stuff. Uh, the invitation is to all of us. It's to me. I find myself excited by and drawn in to this invitation that there can be a deeper rest, a new way of engaging, found in Jesus, found through the Spirit in our lives, a new engagement with God that brings life-giving rest to each of us. So this week, we will have many things to do on our to-do list, and hopefully we get to check many of those off. What I would challenge is add to that to-do list some Sabbath time, some time alone with God, some time praying with a friend or spouse or family member, some time sitting and just reflecting Watch the wind blow through the tree in your yard. Whatever that looks like, I encourage you, take a walk, see nature, breathe fresh air, and in all of that, seek a God who said, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let's pray about that. God, thank you for this day and this time. Thank you for an opportunity to engage the subject of Sabbath. God, thank you that you created that for your people, a rest that is found in you. And God, I pray that as Jesus taught on it, engaged, lived Sabbath, and found rest in you, that you would uh, just prick in our hearts a desire to know more of you. God, thank you for the opportunities that we have in our workplaces and the busyness of our lives. But God, I pray that you will uh, bring to the forefront of our minds and soon in our practices just a need to be with you. God, we trust in you. You are enough. Jesus, we thank you that you will take our burdens, that they would be light, that in you we can find rest. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.